Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're getting back into looking at Luke and and basically, we've entitled this series, Earth Walk. We're basically walking with Christ as he has come among us in the Gospel of Luke, trying to grasp the reality of who he is. So let me kind of bring you up to speed with where we're at and what we're looking at here today. If you remember, we're in chapter 8, but in chapter 6 through the beginning of 8, Jesus was doing a lot of teaching, and in a lot of his teaching, he was basically demanding a response from us. He was talking about the different types of responses that there are to him. And and what we see is, is that Luke, the writer, is trying to get us to come to a place where we make a decision about who Jesus is. So when we get to chapter 8, he basically is showing us four different miracles. We've already seen the first two, which was, first of all, his power over nature as he calmed the sea. His power over the spirit world as he cast out legion and those demons. But what we're going to see here today, he's going to deal with a third one, and next week a fourth one, where he, first of all he's going to have power over sickness, and then power over death itself. Now through these four miracles, again, he's trying to bring us to a point where we really have to answer two questions where you and I have to answer two questions about Jesus. The first question is this, who is Jesus that he demands a response from me? Who is Jesus and the reality of who he is that he would come and demand a response from me? Now, again, that's so countercultural to where we are today because in, in our culture here in North America, we don't like anybody telling us anything, let alone demanding something of us. Like, what do you mean you want something from me? But Jesus, Luke is trying to show us that Jesus here is demanding a response from him. He's already talked about that there's two types of responses. Either you're going to embrace him or you're going to reject him. And so now through these miracles, he's bringing us to a point where you've got to make a decision about who he is. Is he who he says he is? And he's demanding a response from us. And then the second question is, is do you have faith or trust in him? If he is who he is, if Jesus is really who he says he is, if he has the power that he shows himself to have, do you have faith in him? Now, again, let me explain that word faith. Faith is not just a mental ascension that is just a mental belief in that doesn't go anywhere with it. it it's a belief, a commitment to truth as it reveals itself. It's a trust in. It goes beyond just mentally believing, because a lot of people mentally believe that he's the Son of God, but it doesn't affect anything about their life. And really what the question is, is do you have faith? Do you trust in him? These are the two questions that Luke is trying to get us to grasp in this passage. And so today, he's going to deal with, it's kind of a story that intertwines with another story. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at verses 40 through 48. And we're going to see Jesus interacting with a woman today. 
Notice what Luke writes. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about twelve years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And all denied it. And Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, and she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here's what we see happening in this passage. We actually see two stories. We see Jesus coming to town. So first of all, notice the reaction of the town. They hear he's coming, so there's a multitude meeting, ready to meet him. And they're all excited about him. Because remember now, by this point, Jesus, his reputation is out there. It's like he's the healer. You've got a problem, he will solve it. So everybody's excited about it. They know that he's coming. Probably where it's coming, that Jesus is coming your way to your town. So they have a grand reception there. There's a multitude of people there who are there to receive him, who are there to, to welcome him, who are there basically to get something from him. And there's one man in particular who's there who wants Jesus' help. His name is Jarius. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's a prominent figure in town, a very powerful figure in town, because as the ruler of the synagogue, he can determine whether or not you can come to the synagogue or not. And he has a 12-year-old daughter who is dying, the scripture tells us. She is sick and dying, and so he comes before Jesus and begs him to come and help his daughter. Jesus, of course, says, yes, I'll come. Now that's where we enter into the story that we're going to talk about today. So I want you to picture it. Here he is, he's surrounded by a multitude of people. The scripture says they're pressing on him. So I mean, we're not just talking about they're standing at a distance, they're mobbing him. They're all wanting to touch him, they're all wanting to be near him. There's a a huge crowd there. And in the midst of the crowd, there's a woman, and we'll talk about her in a moment, she touches Jesus, and Jesus is like, who touched me? Well, let's look at what we're going to see here. First of all, the woman. Look at with me, verse 43 through 44. Look at how Luke describes her. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians, could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. First thing I want you to see about this woman is this. She endured pain and humiliation. Pain and humiliation. Here's a woman. We don't know exactly how old she is. She's probably middle-aged. And 
here's what's going on with her. She has a flow of blood. What that basically is, is she either has menstrual or uterine bleeding that's going on here. And she's not just enduring the pain of that, she's enduring humiliation because the Levitical laws basically said, from the Old Testament, the Levitical laws said that a woman was considered, when she had this type of bleeding going on, she was considered unclean. So therefore, while she was unclean, she could not participate in, listen to me, she could not participate in the spiritual aspect of the community. So she couldn't participate in the synagogue. She couldn't participate in the spiritual of going to the temple and making sacrifice because she was considered unclean. Now, the problem with being unclean is is that you then could not have contact with anyone else because if anyone else touched you, they would become unclean. So here's this woman. She's not only enduring the pain of her problem. She's also having to deal with the humiliation. And let's just stop for a moment. The ongoing humiliation. And in fact, the scripture tells us that it's for 12 years she's dealing with this. Of not really basically being ostracized by the community around you because you've got a problem that's beyond your control. So here's this woman. She's enduring pain and humiliation. The other thing I want you to see about her is that her affliction, I just said it, was beyond her control. Luke tells us that she spent all of her livelihood, she spent all of her money going to doctors to get help. In fact, the Gospel of Mark, the writer Mark tells us that she suffered at the hands of doctors trying to overcome her problem. What I want you to understand is, is this is not something she just wants to live with. This is something that she wants to overcome because it's a source of pain in her life. It's a source of humiliation. and, And she's tried everything to deal with it. She's tried everything to overcome it. She's tried everything. She's spent all her money going to doctors to get help. She can't get any help. She's in a desperate situation, isn't she? I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, think about what she's going through for a moment. Just, just contemplate it for a moment with me. We're not just... We're talking about a different type of society here. We're not just talking about just having an affliction of some sort of sickness that you can't overcome. We're talking about having a sickness that then results in how other people treat you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The closest thing I can think of it is at this time of year when somebody walks in here with a cold and how you treat them is like, stay away from me. Now we laugh at that, but on her level, on her scale, it's a bigger issue. It's affecting her whole life. And the amazing thing is it's beyond her control. Beyond her control. Which brings me to the third thing I want you to see about this woman. She was desperate for Jesus. She was desperate. Look at what it says there, verse 44. And came from behind and touched the border of his garment. When you have a woman who is going through this, she's done everything. Mark says she suffered at the hands of doctors. 
She's going to do what she can. She knows that Jesus can heal her. So in her desperation, she's doing something pretty bold here. And and you can almost say she's slipping into the crowd because, first of all, the crowd is fixated on who, folks? Who they're fixated on Jesus. So they're not really, I mean, people are pressing about, when you're in that kind of mob, how many of you have been in a mob like that? I've been in a mob like that, maybe at a concert, and you're trying to get out of a place, and you're kind of bumping people through to get out into a place. You're not really aware of who's around you. So it's not like people are really paying attention, because if they knew she was there, and she bumped against them, she would probably get treated pretty rough, because they would be then considered, what, unclean. So she knows that if anybody recognizes her, she's in trouble with them. But here's the thing. She's desperate. She's bold. If simply she could just touch the hem of his garment. Now, let me just stop for a moment so you don't understand what's going on here. The garment that we're probably talking about is probably something that Jesus is hanging over him, a prayer shawl, and it's talking more about a tassel. So it's not like she's stooping on the ground to touch the bottom of his garment. And the reality is is she's desperate to get near him. And when she gets near him, she touches him, and guess what? She's healed immediately. And listen, here's what the reality is. This passage says, she knows she's healed. She senses that she's healed. This is the woman. So then, it's interesting because you see how Jesus responds. We see that through verses 45 through 48. Notice how he responds. Verse 45. So there's this mob. They're pressing against him. That is, I mean, everybody's touching him. And in verse 45, Jesus said, Who touched me? And notice Peter... Peter's primarily the one, but the others are with him. They're like, Master, come on, Jesus. There's a whole bunch of people judging you. What do you mean, who's touched you? I mean, come on, we got important business to do here. Jarius needs your help. He's prominent. And this is what I want you to see about Jesus. Everyone is important to him. Why don't you stop for a moment? Think about it. Jairus has come to him and said, My daughter is dying. I need you to come and help her. Jesus said, Okay, I'll go. So they're going to go. And they got this big mob around them. A woman comes up, touches him. Jesus is like, Who touched me? I mean, I mean, he, first of all, he knows who touched him. He's God. Why does he stop? Because, I mean, he could have kept on going and done what he needed to do. Because this is what I want you to see about Christ. Everyone is important to him. Everyone. And the healing and the well-being of this woman who touched him is just as important as the daughter of this prominent dude. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you need to hear that. Every one of you is important to him. Every single one of you. doesn't matter what your social economic background is. It doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. Every single one of you is important to him. And so this woman is important to him. So he asks the question, 
Who touched me? Jesus, Peter's like, what do you mean who touched you? Who didn't touch you? Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived what power going out of me. So the first thing I want you to see there about Jesus is, is that everyone is important to him. The second thing I want you to see there, we see it again there with those questions, who touched me? Jesus demands a response. When he asked the question, who touched me? Notice everybody else denied it. The question isn't for the crowd in general. The question isn't even for the disciples. His question is directed towards who? The woman. Because, again, he's demanding a response here. He's like, who are you? First of all, he knows who she is. But he wants her to identify herself. He's pressing her to identify herself. Let's not stop for a moment. Think about what he's asking her to do. She's considered what by the community? Unclean. Let's stop for a moment. Think about that for a moment. Think about that with me. Because we got the same type of attitudes even today. Because here's what happens. And I notice it happens right in Christian circles. Listen to me. Here's a woman, she's got a problem, she's done everything she can to try to take care of it. It's been going on for 12 years. The rest of the community thinks you're an outcast. Can I be honest with you, the common thought back then is, God must be after you for some reason. This must be the judgment of God on you. That was a common thought. You know what, we have the same kind of thinking today, isn't it? When somebody goes through a problem, what do we do? What did you do? We ask that question. Is God trying to judge you? And a lot of times, folks, it has nothing to do with the judgment of God. A lot of times it has to do with just living in this world and the stuff that happens. So there he is. Jesus is trying to demand from her a response to identify herself. And look at the precarious position she's in because if she does identify herself, everybody else is going to be like, what? Did you touch me? He's demanding a response. Are you saying, would Jesus do that? Would Jesus want to force us into identifying? Is he into secrecy? Is Is it okay for me to be secret? No, this is not the issue with Jesus. It's like if you're going to make the decision for him, he wants you to respond, and he wants you to respond openly about him. There are no secret agent Christians, folks. If you make that commitment, and she was making that commitment, and she got healed, and Jesus is like, okay, identify yourself. Who touched me? He identifies a response. And notice, she does. Look at, in fact, notice, in fact, I think verse 47 kind of tells you where she's at. Look at where it says, And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, notice those three words, she came trembling. You better believe it, she's scared. Because what she did was completely unorthodox. What she did was completely unacceptable. Because when you're unclean, you're supposed to stay away from everyone. So she's fearful. What's going to happen? And so she identifies herself. It says she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in his presence, in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Here's the third thing I want you to see about Jesus. 
Jesus blesses those who actively seek him. Look at verse 48. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here she is. She's afraid. He's demanding a response. She comes up and says, It was me. You can almost see her bracing herself for whatever. Because I'll be honest with you, the culture's not forgiving, is it? Folks, isn't that true about today? Society is not forgiving, is it? But do you notice what Jesus does? He blesses her. He pronounces a blessing on her. He says, your faith. Now this is more than just a belief. It's faith in action. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's belief in action. She believed Jesus could heal her. So what did she do? She sought after him. She said, if I could only just touch his hip. She touched him. She got healed. It's faith in action. He blessed her because she had what? Faith. It's that second question, isn't it? Do you have faith and trust in him? Here's the issue. Jesus blesses those who actively seek him. In fact, isn't what Hebrews says? Hebrews tells us that he is a rewarder of those who actively seek him. Are you seeking God with all of your heart? He blesses those. So here's what you want to see. I mean, think about it. This is such a powerful passage for us. And it, I mean, even as I was studying it, it was communicating so many different things to me. Like It's like, George, are you like Jesus? Do you have the mind of Christ for your life? Because here he is, he's on his way to help the daughter of an important person, and he's got time for someone else. Do you? This is an awesome picture of Jesus, isn't it? Let me give you three things as we wrap it up here this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you come to grips with who Jesus is? This is really, I mean, we've been asking this question the last few weeks as we've gone through this passage with every miracle. Think about the miracles that we've seen so far. He's on a, on a boat. A storm comes up. It's a turmoil. He's asleep. The disciples, I mean, first of all, think about them. They're fishermen. They're freaked out by what's happening. They're afraid. He gets up, speaks the word, everything's calm. He looks at them and says, where's your faith? The next miracle. Lands on Gadarenes there. He's confronted by a demon-possessed man. He has authority over them. They're freaked out by who he is, the son of the Most High God they proclaim him to be. And he has authority over them. And again, the issue is, have you come to grips with who he is? And here he is, a woman bleeding for 12 years. And he's got time for her. Have you come to grips with who he is? He's not just a simple teacher. He's not just some pathetic figure from history who ended up being put on a cross unjustly. He's not just a super nice guy. He's God in human flesh. 
Have you come to grips with the reality of who Jesus is? Folks, we've got to come to grips with the reality of Jesus. You've got to make a decision about who he is. This is what Luke is pressing on us. He's pressing us to make a decision. And like we talked about earlier in Sunday school, there's no in-between. There's there's no, yeah, the jury's still out. I'm still kind of thinking on it. It's either yes or no because your indecision is a no as well. Have you come to grips with him? The second question is this. What is your response to Jesus? How are you going to respond to him? You know, when you look at a passage like this, there are so many different responses that could come out of it. Because maybe you're here and you think that Jesus has got too many things going on and he doesn't have time for you. But we see in a passage like this that he has time for everybody. What is your response to him? Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you have faith in? Are you committed to the reality of who he is? Or, I'm like, oh yeah, but I'm still going to do my own thing. Where are you at? Really, the, you know, this is what's going on. It's not an issue of Jesus. John, Luke is telling us who Jesus is. The question is, what are you going to do with him? What's your response to him? Is he who he says he is, or is he not? So then you're left with the question, do I either accept him, or do I reject him? And let me just stop for a moment. That issue of your response will be shown in how you live. We're not just talking about mentally believing here. We're talking about a life commitment. And Jesus already said to us back, what, in chapter 6 and chapter 7, that the reality of that is going to show forth in your life and no one can cover it. So what's your response to him? And then finally, here's the reality. Embrace him. Embrace Jesus. Embrace him. Some of you, you're like that woman. Because there he is. He's demanding a response from you. Who touched me, he said to her. And Jesus is demanding a response from you. But you're like the woman as she was described in verse 47. You've got fear. What, what, if, I, if I identify myself, what's going to happen here? If I make that commitment thing, what does that mean? And so you're, you can identify with her. There's that anxiousness that's going on within you. And it's like, well, I'm not sure. But the reality is, is that you either, it's either yes or no. And so my encouragement to you is set aside your fears because what do we already see? He blesses those who actively seek Him. So my encouragement to you is embrace Him. Embrace the reality of who He is. Embrace the reality of Jesus Christ for your life. He is who He says He is. Do you have faith? Do you have trust? That's the reality of who he is. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.